0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to continue the, the series, the message really, that I gave you last week called A Standard, A Standard. Uh, where are we? I always want to make sure that when I teach you God's Word, You can walk out of that door and put it at practice in your life. We're not just here talking theory. We're not here just talking uh, about a religious uh, ritual that doesn't matter to anyone. I want it to impact your life and the world around us, okay? And so we're looking at this. It's, It's vital. I believe God is just sharpening us and giving each one of us individually and all of us collectively a fresh understanding about where we are right now. I want you to know why you're on this planet. How many heard what I just said? I want you to know why you're living right now. I want you to find meaning and purpose about where you are. You're more than a survivor. Someone say amen to that. We've survived. How many have survived some stuff? Come on, let me see. Anybody got a testimony? Man, I've come through some stuff. You don't have to raise your hand on this. How many? Don't raise your hand, but ask yourself this. How many of you grew up in a really dysfunctional family, but you made it through. How many of you have been through some trauma, but you're here today? How many of you have been through some broken vows and promises, but you're here today, huh? How many have gone through some rejection, but you're here today? How many of you, the devil threw the kitchen sink at you, but you're here today? How many of you know the devil planned you wouldn't be alive today? Come on, but you're here today. Come on, somebody celebrate that. We've had God do too much Come on, God's done too much for you and I just to sit on a seat every week and and not impact our life. I want to remind us why we're here, what God's doing, why your life matters. It's so critical. We, We are living in, the Bible prophesied, some very difficult and unique times. But what we're learning is that God knew we'd be living here. God knew we'd be living at this moment. And no matter what goes on around us, God put us here for a purpose. He's big enough for the moment. Amen? He's big enough for the moment. Our culture, let's be honest, the culture we live in in this nation has really gone crazy. It's lost its bearing. We're we we it, we're living in, in chaos in many places. But because chaos is around us, does it mean we live a chaotic life? Because we live in a culture that's broken and confused doesn't mean that we live broken and confused. There's a reason that we're here. And you're here not just to make it. You're here to make a difference. Amen? You're here to make a difference. So how do we live for God in this day and time? How do we live? How do we respond to our culture? How do we raise our family? How do we go to college? How do we build a career? How do we go to work? How do we do this thing? In this day and time. It's really important. I, I believe that, that God is speaking to his church and wanting to elevate our faith. How many heard what I just said? Elevate our hope. Elevate our trust in him. Church family, I'm gonna tell you: God wants you to grow in your journey this year. God wants you to take another step in your spiritual journey. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm ready to go? I'm ready to let me hear you. Amen. God doesn't want us to stay where we've been. Let's take another step. Let's step up to another level. God is going to prepare His church. God is preparing His church to be everything He said we would be even in the culture that we're living in right now. I want to tell you something. I don't feel like a martyr today. I feel like a soldier today. What about you? I don't feel like I'm losing. I feel like I'm here for a purpose. Anybody with me? I'm not complaining about how bad it is. I'm thanking God that we're sin abounds Grace does much more about I'm thankful that where we are weak, God's strength is made perfect. Anybody with me? I'm thankful that Jesus said, I spoke these things to you so that you would have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome this world. We need to understand who we are, why we are in this place right now. Here's what I know. The the Bible tells us it's important when, when transition is happening. I want to be, I want to tell you this and you, you can see it. If you want to call it prophetic, you may. I believe the church at large, not just this church, the church is going to go through a transition in these next couple of years. And the church in America is going to have to decide, are we in or are we out? Are we real or are we not? Are we going to believe this word or are we not going to believe this word? Denominations that were once stalwarts in bringing the gospel to this nation are dwindling and dividing and being ripped apart. Why? Because they have moved away from the word of God. Things that once were established are crumbling. Things that once held up the light are going out. But I want to say to you again, God says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. God is going to take His church and those that will love Him and walk with Him. You're not going to feel like a martyr. You're not going to say, oh, it's me. Well, let's piggyback off Pastor Emilio. We're going to have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you know the Bible says that? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So as we're moving through this time, I want to make the transition with God. I want to be a better church we've ever been. I don't want to be a just make it church. I want to be a church where the anointing, and the presence and the word of God transforms lives every day. Anybody with me on this thing? So, so how do we live our life at the highest level? You know, that's our, that's our whole goal here at Calvary. Do we have that, uh, here, our, our mission statement? I don't know if you have it today. We were going to do it last week, but let's say that together. What's our mission? What, what are we on mission to do? Come on, say it with me. We want what? Everyone we meet to experience life. How? At the highest level. How do you get there? Through a personal, Relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, here it is. I want you to say it again. Think of this. This is intentional. Why are we here? We want what? Everyone we meet. That means no one's outside our circle of love. No one's outside our circle of love. No one. No one. We have people email us every once in a while and say, I'm living this lifestyle. I'm doing this, doing that. Would we be welcome to Calvary? This is what we say. Everybody's welcome at Calvary. Now, you may hear the word that disagrees with your lifestyle. But we love you and we know the truth sets people free. We're here to say we love Jesus. We love him. and We'll put his word above everything else. Everybody's in this circle, man. We love everybody, okay? We're going to love you. We want everyone we meet to do what? To experience life at the highest level. I want you to find your purpose in Jesus Christ. I don't just go to church on Sunday. God planted me right now. God put me in the kingdom right now. I have a reason to be. And so how do we get to the highest level? You'll never live your life. At the highest level. You'll never know the full meaning and fulfillment of why you were born. I don't care what people told you about how you were born. Your mama may say you were a mistake. In heaven, you were a divine assignment. Your father may say, I never wanted you. But God said, I loved you from the moment you were conceived. Your surroundings may say there's no reason for you to be here. But God took the time while you're in your mother's womb to begin to write a plan with your name on it. And that plan is good and it's blessed and it's mighty. But I never get there until what happens? Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. That's why we, that's that's how we go. And you know... To fulfill that, to get there at the highest level, you're going to have to connect with some people. You can't do it by yourself. So are we ready for what God has for us? We're we ready to say, God, we want to do this. So two, two verses I looked at last week. I want to do it quickly because I want to focus on one one area today. Let's look at this. I'm talking about a standard. What does that mean, a standard? How does that relate to us? Understanding the moment, knowing what we should do. Let's look at Isaiah 59, 19. Let's look at the King James the New King James translation first. I've I've got these two verses, same verse, two translations. Remember this, I want you to get this. So we're we're seeing about a moment where Israel was facing an enemy onslaught. And so this is what God says. So they shall fear the name of the Lord. God says, I'm gonna, from the west and my glory rising from the sun, the east, from the west and the east, God said, I'm gonna show myself strong, right? When the enemy comes in like a flood, The spirit of the Lord will do what? Raise up a, lift up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in, this translation, uh, put the comma after flood. See that third sentence down? When the enemy comes in like a flood, it it said the enemy's the flood. But let's look at the uh, New International Version and more, more translations that are going in. From the West, people will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they'll revere his glory. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want people to revere, experience, and know the glory of God? So watch this. Now, watch. Who's the flood? Not the enemy. For he, God, will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. So the Bible says to us here that how do we put these verses together? What it's saying is is that when the enemy comes in, God is going to raise a standard up against the enemy. When the enemy comes against your home, your marriage, your family, your life, your health, God is going to raise a standard up against him. When the enemy comes in against the nation, what does God say? I'm going to raise a standard up. I, God says, I'm going to be the flood. I'm going to lift something up. I'm going to roar against your enemies. How many are thankful today that when, not if, but when the enemy comes, God has an answer for that day in your life. God's not going to let you be overwhelmed. God is going to raise a standard up. What we have been looking at and what we've been saying, what is the standard? What is this thing God lifts up? I'm thankful God's going to be there. How many understand that God will never leave you in a situation that's too big for you and Him together? God's going to bring you through that. God's going to make a way. He's going to raise by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to lift up a standard. So there's something, church, family, we need to understand here. The enemy may come, but God, like a mighty flood, is going to come and lift something. His presence is going to rise up. When the enemy comes, God's going to rise up greater. When trouble comes to you, the Holy Spirit's going to raise something up. He's going to respond. He's going to do something. God calls that the standard. There's a standard that God lifts up by His Spirit to be the answer when the enemy comes in. How many are thankful God has an answer, that God raises that up? So what is this How is the enemy going to come in? What does that look like when he starts coming against it? Well, what does the Bible say that the world is going to look like in this time you and I are living? Look at a couple of verses. Let's look at First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. Turn there with me, and 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 let's let's look at this. The Bible told us. We're not surprised. This is what we read. First Timothy chapter four, verses one and two. The Spirit clearly says. that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Isn't that amazing? You think about where we are today. The, the, these, these mass murders, these, these ungodly acts, this abusing of children, this, 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 this craziness around us. You have to understand, there is very little explanation for much of that outside of demonic activity. Something that's inhuman. Something that doesn't have a human solution to it. Do you understand if, if, if we are seeing a nation attacked by the demonic, a human response will never be sufficient. Everybody with me in that? If it's a demonic battle, we better have a spiritual weapon at our, at our expense. And God says when these things happen, I'm going to come and raise something up. I'm by my spirit going to meet that need. And so let's read this. The spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon their faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings. This is the shocking thing. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. This stuff's going to come from every angle. this, This teaching, this... This uh, allowing, this redoing scripture, this saying it's all okay is going to come from places that once knew the Lord. From people that have a sense of godliness but not its power. From hypocritical places. By the way, if, if you're listening to me on a podcast or you're online, you're sitting in this room, can I help you out with that hypocrite word a little bit? Do you know evidently there have been hypocrites from the beginning of time? Evidently there were hypocrites in the New Testament. So here's my help for you. If you're saying, "Well, I'm not going to church because a hypocrite," well, then if the hypocrites at church and you're not going because they're at church, then they're actually closer to God than you are. They're here, you're not. See, so I refuse to let a hypocrite stand between me and God. I refuse to let a fake stand between me and God. Can I tell you? If you don't like hypocrites, then you be real. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. If you don't like hypocrites, then you be the real deal. If you don't want... If you're like me and, and, and uh, you pastor a church in the same city as long as I have, I have people who tell me they go to Calvary I hadn't seen in a decade. i got people who go to Calvary. They're not even CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. They hadn't been here in 10 years. They hadn't been here in 20 years They don't even know we've moved here from the Beltline They're still going to Aldi Trying to go to church in this grocery store over there And the thing that worries me Is that they tell people they go to Calvary God have mercy on us all Don't tell them what they're doing Where do you go to, I go to Calvary? No they don't No they don't They used to go to Calvary They think about Calvary They're still trying to find where we are, but they don't go here. (laughs) So I've had to understand. I can't let the crazy keep me from doing what I'm called to do. Everybody with me on this thing? We need to stop letting the fringe determine who the core is. We need to stop letting the crowd define who the disciples are. And we have to understand that we're living in a time where those kind of things are going to take place. And if you're watching me on live stream and you're one of those lost souls, here we are. Come home. Come on home. We're right here. Come on, church. Welcome back. Come on home. <laughs> we're still for you, man. We're not against you. You're right where you left us, loving Jesus and presenting him to this world. But look at this. Romans 118. This is where we are. Why does God say he's going to raise his standard up? Because nothing but God's move is going to satisfy where this world is right now. And the good news is, are you with me? God's going to use you as part of this. God's using us. Romans chapter one. Look at the beginning in, in, uh, verse number 18. Pastor, why do you read these heavy verses to us? Because I want you to see, don't be rattled. Don't be intimidated. Don't be compromised. Are you with me? Don't give in to this thing. God says, I'm doing something by my spirit. I'm lifting something up by my spirit. In fact, we ought to understand. I said this last week. This has never been a better time for the light of the gospel to shine. This has never been a better time for what is real to be out there sharing the things of God. See, we, this, this thing has shifted so much around us. God's word and truth and hope and sincerity and genuine character is going to make a difference in this world today. What happens? Look at this. Uh, Romans 1 verse 18. 1, 18, Romans 1, 18. I want you to see this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. Watch this. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Has there ever been a time when truth is, is trying to be suppressed on every single level? In the media, in the social media, from the big tech companies. I'll probably get knocked off Facebook right now for what I just said. But it is what it is. By our schools, has there ever been such an onslaught to suppress truth? Okay. So watch this. It's talking about where we are. Verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them. Do you know why people fight so hard against truth? Because in their heart of hearts, they know what truth is. Okay, so see, do you know, you can't fight something that doesn't exist. You can't oppose something that's not real. All right, come on. So since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Now watch this. For although they knew God past him; for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. What happens when we walk off from truth? What happens when we acquiesce and compromise? What happens? Watch this. Their thinking became futile Their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Look at this. And made a deal. exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals, reptiles. They began to worship idols. Well, what's that look like today? What's an idol? It's a man-made little God. So everything I created in my life at the absence of the true God and I put before him becomes an idol in my life, okay? Stay with me. I'm going to, You're going to feel better before we go, okay? Stay with me. Therefore, what happens? God gave them over. God said, I'll let you go. If this is what you want. I'll let you do it. He didn't punish them with this. He didn't put it on them. He said, I'll let you do what you want. He gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. We've never had such a sex-soaked culture as we do today. I read this week that 70% of teenagers have viewed porn. 70% of these precious young men and women who probably aren't even emotionally ready to handle the role of sex in their life that only belongs in marriage. I said, Pastor, you're throwing out, is this R-rated? I don't know. I think it's G-rated, God-rated today. We need to get it. So I'm looking at these young men and women who are being inundated with this mindset. And my heart breaks for them. I'm not bad at them. The church doesn't stand up here and call everybody sinners. And No, no we're going to preach the truth. I'm laying it out pretty clear, I think. But we're going to say, come on, there's an answer here. Somebody's got to raise a standard up. Listen to me. Somebody's got to be the adults in the house. Somebody's got to honor the Word of God. Somewhere there's got to be a standard. Somewhere there's got to be some hope. Somebody's got to keep the light on. Somebody has to realize we have the privilege of bringing life and hope and truth. We're not holier than now, better than now, ugly, crotchety, gripey, judgmental, divisive. We love God. We love people. And we love this Word and we know the truth is the only thing that's going to set people free. So what happens? God says, "You want to run that way? I, I, I can't stop you. Gave you a free will. They gave themselves their hearts of sexual impurity. But see, it didn't stop there. It just gets worse and worse. It's like drugs. You chase that first hit for the rest of your life. You start smoking weed, and then you're snorting, and then you're shooting, and then and then fentanyl's killing everybody. Same thing with this sexual immorality, for the degrading of their bodies with one another." So that's where it started, adultery, fornication. But he goes on, verse 25, they exchanged, made a deal, a knowledgeable, intentional plan for the truth of God, for a lie, and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever prayed. Verse 26, because of this, here it is again, God gave them over. He said, I can't stop you. You have a free will. It's your choice. To what? Shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned. They, listen to me, they had something and left it. They weren't born with it. They had something and left it. They abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Now the church likes for the preacher to stop after verse 27, but I'm going to go on. Furthermore, verse 28, look at somebody and say, furthermore, Furthermore. tell them, take a breath. Okay. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, look at some of these other gave them over stuff. (laughs) To a depraved mind to do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are... Well... How get that old-time preacher out. Could I get an organ? Well... Help me, Jesus. That's the same list as homosexuality. (laughs) I told you, people want me to stop at verse 27. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. Look at this. They invent ways of doing evil. Come on, is that not today? Have you ever seen such craziness? Invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. I should have got an amen somewhere on that But all you parents probably got parents too Don't you Okay Uh, They are senseless Faithless Heartless Ruthless Although they know Get this Although they know God's righteous decree That those who do such things deserve death They know it They not only continue to do these things But they also approve of those who practice it. So we're in a place. <laughs> we're in a place. And I'm going to tell you, and I said, Pastor, I know I got to get through that to get you to the other side. But I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to be awake. I don't want you to say, Well, I don't want to go to church. Somebody tell me that. Well, you needed to go to church if somebody tell you that today. Because what you need to understand is that the gracious God we serve sees every bit of that. Listen to me. He doesn't hate those people. His heart's broken over that kind of thing. And what he's doing is this. Listen to me. He's saying, I see the enemy coming in. Destroying homes and lives and everything sacred. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rush in with the flood of my Holy Spirit. I'm not going to judge it first. I'm going to heal it first. I'm going to release it first. I'm going to come in like a flood. But you got to get this. I'm going to raise a standard up. The standard that the flood of the Holy Spirit is raising up is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the standard. You're what's riding the wave of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? What did he say to the disciples? i am got to hurry here. What did he say? He, he told them, look, I'm going to heaven. The Holy Spirit's coming. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be with you through the Holy Spirit. You go preach the gospel to this broken, hurting world we read about. And he said, but don't start until you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he said in Acts 1, you're gonna have power to be a witness of me. So what happens? The enemy comes in, the world's getting crazy, things are shaking, but God says, church, don't be afraid. Don't back up. Don't give in. Don't compromise. Don't shut your Bible. Don't stop praying. Don't become a martyr. He said, I'm going to send a wave of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to lift something up against this thing. And he said, I'm going to put you on that wave. I'm going to make my church a standard. Not a standard where you say, you have to do what I do. Do what I say. A standard that says, if you'll look at Jesus, he's going to heal you. He's going to save you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to make a Difference. Look at the uh uh, the what was Saul who became the apostle Paul. He's riding to Damascus to throw more Christians into prison. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was a terrorist, he hated the gospel, he hated Jesus, he hated Christians, he ripped babies out of mother's arms and threw them into prison. He fed the lions in the Colosseum of Rome with the bodies of the Christians he hated. He captured the Christians. That Nero put on torches and burned the bodies of the Christians to provide light for his decadent parties and celebrations. That man saw and he did it in the name of religion. But on his way to Damascus, God said, that'll be enough. And he appeared to him. And Jesus did. And he fell off his donkey or horse or whatever in the middle of the road. And 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 Jesus said, why? Look at this. Listen to me. If you think you're under the gun right now. Jesus said, Saul, so why do you persecute me? He didn't say them. He said me. When the devil comes against you. Jesus takes it personally When the devil tries to steal your family Jesus takes it personally And he said you know what I'm going to do I've had enough of this I'm going to raise up a standard I'm going to send a wave of the Holy Spirit And God took the most unlikely Come on anybody here Unlikely person living on the planet And radically saved him Changed him Filled him with the Holy Spirit. And when Paul now walks back into Jerusalem, the religious world went into shock. The church was afraid of him, the Bible said. And they said, this dude's got to be lying. You know, that's part of our problem. We pray, God save him, God change him. When he does it, you say, I don't think that really happened. I, not, not Paul, not Saul. Oh, oh. And, and Ananias. That God sent to pray for him there in Damascus. God spoke to him in a vision and said, go pray for Saul. He said, no, I don't know about that, dude. See, you know, the church, think of this, we got to know who we are. The church was celebrating. Woo! God knocked old Saul off his horse and blinded him. Yeah! See, we want revenge. God wants revival. <laughs> we want payback. God wants breakthrough. And so God says, Aaron and I, she need to go pray. He said, Lord. Like, do you ever have those, you know, glitches of insanity? And say, God, did you know? Oh, no, he didn't know. He was waiting on you and me (laughs) to tell him what's going on. That's what Aaron and I said. So, Lord, you don't know who that boy is over there? He said, I think I do. I just put him there. (laughs) And I'm going to use you to go. Can I tell you something? God's going to use you to go. God's going to use us to go. God's going to take us without being, you know, the apostle or the prophet or the evangelist or the pastor or the teacher or the reverend or the bishop or the elder or your holiness. He's going to look for somebody that just says, if you want me, I'll go. He's going to look for somebody and says, God, I see the wave of the Holy Spirit coming and I'll let you Make me part of the standard Because when that wave lifts up the standard Here's what happened That church becomes a city on a hill That word becomes the light in the darkness That word begins to show it And these folks that are running around lost Who traded what they knew was truth And now the enemy is eating them up They look and they say it's still out there I'm coming home The light's still on, I'm coming home The truth is still the truth, I'm coming home Our job, our glory, our privilege Our moment is to say God We want to be the one We want to be a light in North Alabama Batman. We want to hold this thing up We want to be the move We want to be the standard You raise as the Holy Spirit comes. It doesn't mean it's only Calvary I told you that It doesn't mean we want to be better, bigger, better I just want to be obedient I want to be a light I want to be this thing that God lifts up When God's looking for someone If he can find Saul, he can find you and me If he can find Ananias, he can find you and me And I want to close with this I had all these scriptures, you can find them Let me just close we're in we're in Genesis 18. And and God has come to Abraham Abraham and he said, Okay, next year the baby's gonna be here. Twenty four years it waited. Guess what? Next year the baby was there. Can I tell you something? When God makes you a promise, He's gonna keep that promise. He's gonna keep that promise. Now listen to me. So at the end of that chapter, <clears throat> God says, Come on, Abraham over here. And they look down on the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says, I've come. If it's as bad as they say it is, I'm going to destroy this place. So get this. This amazes me. Both sides of this amaze me. I want you to see who you are. You're the standard. You're the one God's going to raise up. You say, well, my life's been a mess. Saul was a mess. But God will make you Paul if you've been a Saul. God will take where you failed and give you a testimony. Is anybody with me today? So listen to this encounter. It's stunning. It's stunning. Abraham's looking down there at Sodom and Gomorrah with God. And he knows his nephew a lot. His family's living there. God's not about to wipe it off the face of the earth. It's that corrupt. If you read about it, it was. And Abraham says, okay, God. So far be it from me to speak to God. To speak to God. But what if there are 50 people in the city? What if there are 50 righteous? The whole city. Would you, would you destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? He goes, I'll spare it for 50. I guess Abraham had been there. He says, okay. What about 40? God said, okay, 40. I'll spare the city for 40. Don't, don't zap me, but what about 30? It's okay for 30. I won't touch it for 30. This horrible, corrupt place. Maybe one of the most wicked cities that's ever existed on this planet. And here's Abraham doing this thing with God. And I'm like, God, did you entrust us that much? Would you understand who you are? And and, and so I'm amazed at this conversation with Abraham and the Lord. And he gets down to 10, 10, 10, 10 in the whole city. And God says, okay, you find me 10 righteous. I won't do it. And here's the two things you've got to see. You're the standard. You're the standard. Do you realize how God values you in this region? Do you know you're the core that keeps the blessing of God on North Alabama? Do you understand that? Do you realize in the most wicked city on the planet that deserved judgment, God said, 10 righteous people, I'll save and spare that town. Do you know you may have been having a hard time. You're the only saved person in your family. Do you understand you being in that home? Although it may not be easy, it's why the hand of God hasn't done that and why the blessing is there because you're there. You're the salt and the light. Do you know when you go to work tomorrow, it may be heathen city. It may be ungodly and rank and and, and wicked, but I want you to know you walk in there as the standard of almighty God that he is anointing and raising up for this moment. And God will go before you. Know what he said? My righteousness will go before you. My glory will stand behind you. You walk in there not arrogant or cocky, but confident in God. The reason, listen to me, that America stands even to this day is because of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is because God looks at a nation that is running from his word, but he sees his people and he says, for your sake, I'm going to keep my hand on this place. For your sake. It's not our politicians. It's not the, the men and women and the personalities. Are you listening to me today? It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the standard of his word and his spirit that someone says will raise up. But then you got to look at Abraham. you see the power of your intercession? Do you see how God honors what you say? Can you imagine what can take place in this fast? We begin Friday. You literally see a man talking with God. And God says, okay, I'll take that request. Okay, I'll take the 30. Okay, I'll take the 20. Okay, I'll take the 10. He said, you don't have because you haven't asked me. Do you understand the position of authority? God places in you as a praying believer. It's not who we are, what we've done, what we've earned. It's what Jesus did on the cross. And he says, I'm going to anoint you to be a witness. I'm going to anoint your prayers to be answered. I'm going to anoint your life to be an example. I'm going to wipe away what's happened. I'm going to lift you up. You're the example. I want you to stand with me. I want us to stand together today. I want us to have some time to pray, some time to present ourselves, some time to say, God, I believe you're going to use me. Listen to me today. Please hear me. I said it last week. I want to say it again. I believe the identity of the church needs deliverance. Did you hear what I said? I believe we carry an identity that needs deliverance. We're not just making it. We're not just holding on. We're not just some side (laughs) <laughs> you want to do today's life we're not some side hustle you know we're, we're, we're not this thing over there listen to me you're the reason that the hand of God's on America today we didn't earn that God did that by His grace we, we don't I, I, I don't care to go out and to people that don't understand what I'm saying and try to explain that you know what I'm talking about you know the authority on your life you know the impact on your life fathers your authority in that home To be light, to be a standard, is unequaled in your position before God. Mom, your place in that home is unequaled before the throne of God. Your prayers, your children may be fussing and cussing, pardon my, running, driving you, batting. You serve the God who says, I'm going to raise something up here. I'm going to stop this thing. Listen to me. Don't you give up. Your boy might be the next Apostle Paul. (laughs) God, listen, listen. You think a crack house intimidates God? You think addiction intimidates God? You think atheism intimidates God? You think agnosticism intimidates God? You think backslidden, (laughs) trapped, addicted uh, intimidates God? You think arrogant, cocky, know-it-all intellectualism on crack intimidates god you think that bothers him not for a second not for a second god someone raise something up you need to stop saying i'm too small no you're not you need to stop saying what can i do what can you do you need to understand your prayers get answered god hears your prayer god sees your heart oh god I don't think there are 50, God. What about 40? He says, okay, God. What about 30? Okay, 20. Okay, 10. Finally, there weren't 10, evidently. But God brought a lot out, didn't he? He brought him out. I'm going to tell you, God will... See, Abraham was that standard up on that hill with God. Abraham was that standard on that hill. The godly in these cities, you're the standard that God is doing. And what we have to promise God in this church is that we will follow your word, God. We will hold up your word. We will follow the Holy Spirit. We will love God. We're going to love each other. Amen. There's not a thousand things to do. This is what we're going to do. And God says, you watch. I'll let my righteousness go before you. I'll put my glory behind you. I'll separate you. I'll set you. I've overcome this world. You're not going to lose. You're going to be the standard. In your heart, during this week, as we kick this thing off Friday, my prayer is that we will say, God, we want to be the standard. God we want to be the standard I'm calling on some of you you know there's some places at work don't be ugly and judgmental don't be critical but there's some things that being talked about and spoken it's time for you to start walking away there's some activities that your friends are doing and I know everybody's doing it listen I'm not a legalist I'm I'm raising up a standard I'm looking for the one I'm looking for the one I'm looking for the one I'm looking for the Abraham I'm looking for the one There's some things that maybe you've been doing you need to stop doing. There's some things you need to walk away from. You know, if you've got to take 30 minutes to explain, it's okay. It's probably not. Why? Because you're robbing yourself of the better things God had. You're robbing yourself of an anointing and a fulfillment and a purpose. Somebody's got to stand up. I believe it's you. I believe it's you. Be the first one to forgive. I believe it's you. Be the first one to bend in that marriage. I believe it's you. Be the first one to tell your friends, "I can't do that anymore." But there's now you got a witness. Now you got a witness. Be the one who walks off and say, "It may be acceptable, but it's not honorable." Did you hear what I said? It may be acceptable, but it's not honorable. It may be the status quo, but I'm a standard, not the status quo. I don't have to tell anybody I'm the standard. I want to be a standard before God. I don't have to tell you I'm it. I'm saying God's said, but I'm going to stand with the one who. Are you with me? It's time. There's a transition happening in the church. God's setting us up for some amazing things. We have to be ready. Come on, let's pray. Father, right here, right now. We say yes to you today. God, we're not afraid. We're not intimidated. We're not ugly. We're not judgmental. We're not mad. <laughs> we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. It's not by might or power. It's by your spirit. Holy God. Holy God. Holy God.